0: Get right into the Bible lesson tonight. Since uh, we'll have uh, somebody pass them out, if you want one, they'll give you one there tonight. And uh, we're in Revelations, uh, finishing up the churches there in chapter uh, three tonight. We're going to finish up uh, those churches, uh, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Uh, we're going to get in them into them. Uh, Tonight, and if you have the Bible and you want to follow along uh, in our reading tonight, it'll be chapter 3 and verse 7 tonight. We'll be reading about the two last churches that are left there. We've already seen Sardis and uh, Thyatira and Pergamos and Ephesus. Uh, and, uh, so tonight we'll finish it up with these last two, uh, last two churches here in the church age. And uh, it's a message to Philadelphia. Uh, the true church and in the, in, in the profession church, Laodicea. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works, behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word, and is not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man can take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall uh, go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, saith the Amen. Faithful, true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou saith, I am rich and increased with goods, have need of nothing, knowest not that thou art Wretched, miserable, poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eyesaf that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice. And open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father, we ask tonight, Lord, your blessings upon this good number of folks that came out tonight, and uh, we pray you'd bless... Tonight, the Word of God, Lord, get our mind off of all the other stuff that our minds have been focused on, uh, Lord, by our interest in this world and uh, get our minds focused on the interest that we have in another world that uh, we might set our affections on things above and not on the things of this world. Uh, for We know that our life is hid with Christ and when Christ who is our life shall appear then shall we also appear with him in glory, and so help us tonight, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen <clears throat> and Amen. All right, the Philadelphia area era of the Church Age is around starts around fifteen hundred A.D. starts around fifteen hundred A.D. and it runs to somewhere in the early part of the nineteen hundreds. This Philadelphia area, it's, it's the best church of the whole bunch. Uh, now, uh, Smyrna's a good church, but he says more about uh, Philadelphia than he does about uh, Smyrna. But those two are the only two that he don't have any negative thing to say about them. Uh, so this uh, Philadelphia church age would be from the 1500s to the early uh, early 1900s. That word Philadelphia means brotherly love. Brotherly love. I think that's still the, what they call the Philadelphia, it? Uh, the city of brotherly love. Uh, okay, so it means brotherly love. And uh, this, particular area, uh, of the church, uh, this particular area of the church, this particular area of the church, they showed more brotherly love probably than any other area. Uh, they were done great missions works. Uh, great churches, uh, great uh, revival campaigns uh, took place uh, during this uh, this particular church. Uh, they had a lot of love. The Bible said, greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life uh, for his uh, friends. Uh, the Bible said uh, here that God had opened a door. God had, uh, this church, we could call it the church of the open door, God is, uh, said, I set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. And so God in that area right there, 1500s to early 1900s, God opened the door wide open to the church age. Uh, the door in our age, Laodicean age, the door is closing. Uh, it's closing. Some places it's already shut. But in this area, it was the heyday uh, of the church, and uh, it uh, it, proved, it produced some of the greatest preachers uh, during that time: John Wesley, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, uh, Peter Cartwright. Uh, these were some great, great preachers. I've read uh, the biography of Peter Cartwright, and uh, it's a great, great reading. And uh, I believe that's the right one, Peter Cartwright. I think he was a Methodist preacher. And uh, I read in his uh, uh, biography, it's pretty thick, I was reading it. And, uh, and in that biography, about halfway through it, he said he was a Methodist. He said, I got appointed to a new place. And he said it was in Barron County, Kentucky. And uh, I said, well, yeah. well. Uh, so anyway, these, these fellows, they, they preached. Uh, they, uh, they done the work. And uh, just, there's a whole lot of them, that's just a few. But it's also a great day of missionary work. Some of the greatest missionary works uh, come out of this time right here. Uh, the Moravians, which many of you probably never heard about unless you've told, heard me tell an illustration about them or something. Uh, but they were, a, they were a great missionary society. And uh, the Plymouth Brethren, uh, a lot of these uh, men and women were from Wales and Scotland, and that's where a lot of them come from, Hudson Taylor, uh, probably a missionary you may have heard of, Uh, uh, Adonai Judson, a great missionary, uh, preached, uh, I have wrote in, I think this Bible, uh, that in his diary he said that he preached for 14 years in Burma without seeing one convert, and then under it he wrote, Jesus is still sweet and uh, was a great, uh, great missionary. William Carey, John Patton, uh, just just a lot of them uh, during this time. And like I said, it runs all the way over into the 1900s a little bit. you got D.L. Moody. Uh, You've heard about him. You've got D.L. Moody. Uh, Billy Sunday died about uh, 1920s or something. He was a, a great evangelist. And uh, so... That era is kind of closing out with the DL Moody's and the Billy Sundays and the, uh, people of that type, and uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was around the uh, 1917 somewhere along in there that they come out with the RSB Bible, and uh, and after that it goes downhill. Uh, during that era, right there, King James Bible, uh, every major revival. Ever great mission work, uh, you'll have to look hard to find any great revival or any great mission work. I say you can't find none but they didn't use the King James Bible. Uh, it was uh, God's Word uh, that He had uh, given me in 1611 and uh, and that's what they used. Also during that time, uh, you had the uh, uh, Battle of Fort Decoration. Uh, and that was when uh, Britain... Uh, began to work on letting the Israel uh, Jews go back to their homeland around 1917. That's when that started. That's when that started, and then uh, of course 1948 they finally became a nation. But uh, you got a lot, lot of great, a uh, lot of great works, a lot of great things going on uh, during this time uh, right here. So, uh, Laodicean uh, Church Age that. Uh, that word Laodicea, uh, it means rights of the people, uh, but this this word here Philadelphia means brotherly love. Big difference, big difference. And uh, we look here, and he says unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things. Saith he that is holy, he that is true, he hath the key of David, he that openeth no man shutteth, and shutteth no man openeth. We don't have to guess twice about who that is. Uh, the Bible said uh, it's, he has the key of David, and uh, we know, and he's holy and true, and uh, so we know that's the Lord. He opens doors uh, that nobody else uh, can open, and uh, so we uh, we look at this area here. There's nothing negative said uh, about this uh, particular area, and uh, it starts in the 1500s. It runs to about 1920s. But there is uh, there is a remnant of it that continues all the way until the Lord Jesus comes, and uh, so uh, it's been said this church has an open door because it had an open Bible. Had an open door because it had an open Bible. God uh, God will bless those that uh, preach His Word, uh, try to get His Word out. Uh, God will bless him, And He certainly blessed that area right there. In uh, verse 8, the Bible said there, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. Notice the constant reference to the word. Thou hast kept my word. You'll hear it again a little bit further on down. And again, God honors God honors the person. God honors the church that honors His Word. Uh, Psalm 138, verse two. He said, "I worship again toward Thy holy temple. I praise Thee for loving kindness and truth, for Thou hast magnified Thy word above all of Thy name." And uh, so God puts a pretty high uh, priority on the on the Word of God. All right, as we read on down through here. he said, Thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. They have a little strength because uh, they don't look to their self for their strength. That's right. Uh, right opposite of the Laodiceans, listen to them. They say, uh, We don't need anything. We're, we're rich. We don't need nothing. We're self-sufficient. We're self-able to contain. But the Church of the Philadelphia said we got a little strength. That's why we need the Lord's help. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said, or was it for a 2 Corinthians 12 and 9? Paul said, When I am weak, then I'm strong. Uh, in our minds, when we're when we're when we're uh, strong, you know, that's when we're strong. But the Bible's right the opposite. It says when we're weak. The reason for that is that when we're weak, as Christians, when we're weak, we have to rely upon the Lord. Amen. And uh, if, if we're in our own strength, we might be like this. But if we're weak, we need something to lean on. Uh, we need something to help us. Uh, and the Lord is that thing that we can lean on. And uh, the Bible said in uh, Isaiah 26, and verse 3, He said, I will keep them at perfect peace Thou will keep him at perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee," he said. Then trust thee in the Lord Jehovah, for His strength is everlasting. Now my strength's not everlasting; it runs out about eight every night. <clears throat> Sometimes before then, but the Lord's strength is everlasting. And the Lord give you a little strength, and you say, you look back, and you say, man. I don't know how I made it through that. Well you look back and say, "I couldn't have made that if it hadn't been for the Lord helping me. I, I couldn't have made that and uh, so when we look at these churches here in the church age, they also go over into uh, the tribulation age too. We talked about how that even during the tribulation that there would be still be churches, uh, it won't be the the church of uh, the uh, grace of God. It won't be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it'll be what we call the tribulation saints. And they're going to still have to have a place to meet. Might not be in a place like this. But this is not what's the church tonight. What's the church is you folks, when you come in the door, that was the church coming in to the church house. Now this church house, and you're the church. Uh, You're the body of Christ. And... uh, so this uh, these people here, the Lord says, uh, He says they got a little strength and you've kept my word and have not denied my name. So they hadn't denied the name of the Lord. And then He says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Now if we go back... Uh, If we go back to uh, chapter 2, we get kind of that same thing in that uh, Smyrna church. He said, uh, verse 9, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich, and I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, and are of the synagogue of Satan. So in both church ages, uh, it's funny that in both of these best churches, that that same thing comes up about those that say they're Jews and they're not. And uh, this goes a long ways back. And uh, you have a teaching that even exists today. Uh, Some people call it replacement theology. And then others call it British Israelism. And what that means is, and if you ever remember years ago there was a, Stand in front of just about every store and they'd have a magazine there called The Plain Truth. And the better name for it would have been The Plain Lies. And uh, we printed it out at uh, Donnelly's. We all else worked out there. We printed it. It was a big job out there, and I'd often read it while we was printing it. And uh, it was full of just full of untruths. But they believed in that British Israelism. And what that is, is that they believe that the twelve tribes of Israel are lost. And so now uh, it's England, it's the United States. Uh, These are where these twelve tribes are. And so all the promises that God made to the Jews in the Old Testament, that when they rejected Christ, they teach that all those promises got canceled. And they got transferred over to the church. And so all the Old Testament promises to the Jews, they now belong to the church. That's not true. Paul said, has God cast away His people? He said, God forbid. He said, even at this present hour, God has a remnant. And we know that during the tribulation that those Old Testament uh, promises to Israel that they're still going... To be fulfilled, they are physical Jew, uh, but you and I are what we call a spiritual Jew. Uh, look over in Romans, if you would, the ninth chapter of, uh, or I'm sorry, the second chapter of Romans. And it'd be about verse uh, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. And Paul says, in, uh, uh, there in verse twenty-eight, he said, "For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly; neither is he that he that circumcision which is outward in the flesh." Verse 29, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of man but of God. So you and I are what we would call a spiritual Jew. Uh, it's what we are. We're not a physical Jew. Uh, we do not get the physical promises and that's what they are in the Old Testament. They're promises to get their land back. Uh, their promises to restore things that they lost, their physical things. And so those promises are still going to be fulfilled for the physical Jew, physical Jew. And uh, so that's that's what that business is there he's talking about. Some say, well, the Lord don't know where the 12 tribes are. Uh, He don't know uh, uh, what tribe. Well, the the Lord knows that. Amen. we know that because Revelation 7, He's going to uh, he's going to seal uh, uh, 144,000 of those. Uh, I think 12,000 beast these tribes is what it is. And He's going to seal them so the Lord knows where they are. And then Second uh, 2 Timothy 2.19, the Bible said, The foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Uh, sometimes people get tore up because uh, they don't know if this person's saved or that person's saved and I say well don't get too tore up about it because the Lord knows Amen. and that's the one that matters anyway and uh, it's easy for us to look on the outward appearance and think somebody's not saved because of what's going on at that right at that moment in their life but we don't see them every moment of their life and uh if we were to see them at night, they might be down by the bed crying and praying, might be off the court of reading the Bible. Uh, so that's why the Lord's a judge, because only the Lord has all the facts. I could judge Mark tonight, but I don't have all the facts. I, I see him a little bit every now and then. Uh, but the Lord, he's, He sees him and me 24-7, and uh, He's keeping records, so He's got all the facts. So that's comforting to know, Amen. Alright, so that's what that uh, that is there, number four. It's what they call replacement theology. They replace Israel with the church. That's a false teaching. It's a false teaching. They take the promises of Israel and give them to the church. That's a, that's a false teaching. Uh, God is still going to keep those promises for the Jew. We see here in this next verse... Uh, The Lord says He's going to keep them from something here. He says, uh, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. There it is again. Thou hast kept the word, this time of my patience. I also will keep them from the hour of temptation which come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Now, uh, sometimes that's taught and people say, Well, that means we're not going to go through the tribulation. The Lord's going to keep us out of the tribulation. Well, we're not going through the tribulation. But notice what he says here. He doesn't say I'm going to keep you from seven years. He doesn't say I'm going to keep you from three and a half years. He said I'm going to keep you from the hour. Hour of temptation. There's coming and it says to the whole world, it's coming upon the whole world, an hour temptation. The Lord says, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep you from it. What does that mean? Did the Lord keep them from it? Yeah, all these people's already in heaven. The Lord kept them from it. All the ones He's writing to, they're all already in heaven. Someone asked an older preacher, said, do you think the church is going to go through the tribulation? And he said, well, most of it won't because the biggest part of it is already in heaven anyway. That's a pretty good thought. Uh, but I do not believe the church is going through any part of the tribulation. Uh, but he says here that he's going to keep them from the hour of temptation which come up upon the whole world. All right, there's uh, according to that, there's coming an hour of temptation. that's going to come upon the whole world. I believe. I believe what that reference is. Let's go to Revelation thirteen. Let's go to, uh, hold that when you find it, and go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And hold that and go to Matthew 24. Let's start with Matthew 24. It's tribulation, verse uh, 15, this is all tribulation. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. Uh, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him that is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child, and to them that are given suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation. That's how we know this right here is in the great tribulation. then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world of this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Talk about Israel, the elect of Israel. Now, uh, verse 15, he talks about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. That is when the Antichrist uh, makes an image of himself and sets it up in the temple. And I go to Second Thessalonians 2 there, and he said, And now you know that uh, withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery... Or no, back up, I'm sorry, back up to verse uh, 4 who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now keep all this in mind. Uh, There's going to be an image of the Antichrist set up in the the temple. Uh, The Bible said he's going to have everybody, demand everybody to give allegiance, acknowledge him. Alright? Now in Revelations... Thirteen. Uh, oh, let's go down about verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. And uh, let's drop on over to verse 12. And uh, it says, verse 13, And He doeth great wonders, so that He maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he hath power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live, had power to give life to the image of the beast, uh, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed, and he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in their right hand, or in that forehead. I believe there's coming a time, that hour of temptation, uh, when the, the Antichrist, uh, in the middle of that tribulation, he's going to demand world allegiance. He's going to demand world worship. Uh, you say, how's he going to do that? It may be on the phone, uh, maybe on the phone, maybe on the computer. But somehow or another, there's going to be a connection to the whole world and there's going to come a uh, an hour when the whole world uh, the whole world uh, is going to be tempted and the temptation is going to be do I acknowledge him as God, do I bow down to the image or do i do I trust God and say no to trust God and say no? Will either be, either be you'll be running for your life the rest of the time left in the tribulation, hoping to endure until the end that you might be saved, or, uh, or uh, you'll be beheaded. Revelation 20, that's the means of execution during the tribulation. That's the bad news. The good news is that he's promised to keep this church from the hour of temptation. How's he gonna do that? They ain't gonna be here. They ain't gonna be here. He's gonna keep them from that hour of temptation, because I'm I, I'm afraid if the Lord didn't keep the church from the hour of temptation, many of them couldn't stand the temptation. When you got folks that can't come to church three times a week, when you got folks that that can't Go through the smallest thing for God. Don't tell me you're going to say no to the Antichrist, no to the mark of the beast, and lay your head on a block. You're not going to do it. And uh, So I'm glad that God is able to keep us from the hour of temptation. It's a promise made to this church. The Lord said He'll keep them from that which is coming upon all that dwell upon the earth. So... Uh, amidst the the lord's, uh, the lord's long suffering, uh, when many will give up uh, on the doctrine during this time, many will give up on the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of people already give up on it. A lot of churches have changed their theology in the last little while. A lot of preachers have changed their theology they're thinking the Lord has delayed his coming there's going to be something wrong. It's got to be. It's got to be going to happen at the end of the tribulation, or it's got to be going to happen in the middle of the tribulation, or it should have done happen. And you can't read Matthew twenty four, twenty five, Luke twenty one, Mark thirteen. You can't read those chapters without getting a sense at that time that they think the Lord is the latest coming. They're beginning to think the Lord should have done been here. Where's where's the Lord at? Where's the Lord at? That's why I think Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 I think it is. Maybe it's Luke 18. In Luke chapter 18 Lord gives a parable there. The whole context is a coming of the Lord talking about Lot's wife there before it. he goes right into verse 18. Talk about the unjust judge. And then he says in verse 7, uh, verse 8, I tell you that He will give avenge him speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Well, we know obviously He will, but when He comes for the church, because it was faith that He gave us that got us saved. But when He comes back, at the end of the tribulation, will they find any faith on earth? Because most people are going to be thinking they don't give up on the Lord. A lot of people today just don't give up on the Lord. A lot of people are saying, Where is the promise of His coming? How can God let these things go on? How can God let this happen? We prayed about it. How can God let this happen? They give up on the Lord. But we uh, we preached Sunday night on Christian endurance. And James talks about the crown of life to those that endure temptation. And so uh, all, this is, all this is in here. So what did the Lord promise to keep them from? The hour of temptation. Over and over throughout this letter, we're reminded the Lord's coming all the way through. We're told the Lord's coming, Revelation 1, 1, all the way down through. We know, we know it's coming, we just don't know when. Verse 12, to the overcomer, uh, to the overcomer, he says, talking to this church, you'll be a pella, that means uh, stability in the temple. Uh, he says, uh, you'll be a pella in the temple of God. Uh, that means, he said, I put my name on you, that means sonship. Uh, Revelations 3.13 once again admonishes us that we are to listen to God. That says that over and over again. I think he says that because we don't listen to God too much like we need to. We're going down uh, now uh, to the church of Laodicea. This is our age. Uh, you can be a Philadelphia church in the Laodicean church age, but there ain't too many of them around. That's right. uh, but you can be one, but there ain't many of them. But this Laodicean church age I've told you this before. Does anybody remember what that word means? The rights of the people. Rights of the people. That's all we hear every day. Isn't it amazing that something wrote AD 96 said that in 2020 the issue would be the rights of the people? You got uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, gay rights, uh, everybody wants the rights, abortion rights. Uh, it's all about the rights. And this Laodicean church is so backslid that, uh, that it gets right in with uh, helping some of these people get their rights. We don't have any rights. We don't have any rights. Uh, we're saved by the grace of God, and, and whatever He gives us, we don't deserve it. We're, we're thankful to have it, but we don't deserve to have it. We don't have any rights. Uh, we don't have any right, really, to even be free, but God's granted us to do that. Uh, And we ought to be be thankful for that. To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, he says, Write these things, saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Never is a time we have to guess about who it is, do we? He says, These things, saith the Amen. That means Jesus. So when you say Amen, that's just another way of saying Jesus. Jesus. When a preachers preaching, you could say Jesus. Just well, as you did, Amen, might work better. But he says, "Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write these things." Saith the Amen. I pointed this out to you before, but I'll do it again. It's different here. He says, "To the angel of the church of the Laodiceans." They took it over. They've hijacked God's church. They're running it the way they want to run it. They're doing it the way they want to do with it. And God ain't having none of it. Uh, but all they want is they want that name Jesus. I mean, you got to have the name. you got to have a name. you are going to have a Christian church. You've got to use the name Jesus. That's all they want. They don't want what He wants for them. And He says, uh, this is important here in verse 14 the beginning of the creation of God. When Jehovah's Witness comes to your house and knocks on your door, they're going to that verse. And they're going to say, see, Jesus was the first created being that God made. Jesus was a created being. They say, they're say they going to say, God made Him. You say, well, that's what it sounds like it's saying. Well, just look back... One chapter. And look in verse 8 of chapter 1, verse 8. I am. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You say, what's that saying? That's saying that God didn't create Jesus. Jesus is God. He existed before He came. Now God prepared Him a body. When He came, God prepared Him a body, Hebrews says. Uh, Through the Virgin Mary. But in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Colossians says that all things were created by Him. And not anything was created that He did not create. So they'll they'll try to pull that verse on you when they do, you just back them up to chapter 1 and then take them over to Colossians and then take them back to John 1.1 and then take them to Genesis 1.26 where God said, Let us make man. Somebody there with Him. In the very first chapter of Genesis, you've got God the, God the Creator, God the Father, you've got the Holy Spirit that moved upon the water, you got the voice of God, Jesus is the Word. You got the voice of God walking in the cool of the garden. You got them all there. Uh, so, uh, this uh, Laodicean place was a real popular city. It was known for hot springs, health resorts, and a well known ISAF was made there. Notice how the Holy Spirit uses all that. Uh, talks about lukewarm water. He talks about anoint thine eyes with eye safe Not the kind you make, but the kind God makes. We talked Sunday about uh, you know, being in focus. And, uh, and all of this had allowed this church located here to become very carnal, depending more and more on its riches than on its on Jesus' righteousness. You know, money's a blessing. Somebody said money can't make you happy. And Brother Epps always says, well, why does everybody look unhappy and don't have none? <laughs> but money can be good. Money can be bad. And the old saying is the more people get up, get on their feet, the less they get on their knees. Say so why? If you got some money, you don't have to pray about a light bill. Yeah. If you got a lot of money, you don't have to worry about where groceries are coming from or where you're gonna pay the insurance. But if you're like most of us, you know, you're down Lord, house payments coming due. Lord needs some help, Lord. So that's the way the Lord wants it. Lord wants you depending on him. Depending on him. Now some of that can be caused by uh, our bad stewardship. Uh but a lot of times it's just the Lord's way of keeping us dependent upon God. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith, and the poor don't have much choice, do they? We just have to trust God, believe God, and uh, we don't worry a lot about it. Uh, We don't know how this you know, going to come out. Uh, It's not looking good. It looks like it may go the other way, but you know what? We just rejoice that uh, that w- that we got uh Senate. We just got rejoice we got Miss McConnell to keep things in check. And you know what we forget about in the element of thinking about all this and Joe Biden, Camilla Harrison and all this, we forget about one little element we leave out of the c- equation. God. Amen. And you know that I know, I know y'all gonna, y'all going to run me out and I say this, but you know God could save Camilla Harris? He saved the Apostle Paul. Saul, Christ hater, church hater, persecutor. So it ain't just in their hands, it's in God's hands. You say, what are we supposed to keep doing? We're supposed to keep doing what we always do. Pray, go to church. It's it's gonna take a little work, but we're gonna to have to start praying for them if they win. And I don't mean pray God kill them, not yet. I bet you, I bet you, Donald Trump in the last four years has got more prayer than any president's been in the White House in years i just use my own self, personal example, and I feel like you're the same. I prayed for that man every day. Amen. Donald Trump has one huge problem. Pride. And I told somebody two years ago, I said, I worry about it. They said, why? I said, because God hates pride. Right. God always brings proud people down we don't need to forget that one part of the equation whenever we get start getting depressed and worried don't forget to put God in that equation you remember that who was it brother Grady he'll be here in a few weeks he'll have something good to tell us Remember that little illustration he used? He said, That little dot there is you. That circle's God. And nothing can get to you until it comes through God. That's helped me a lot of times. Because uh, I, I believe that. I, I think you believe that too. There are two people connected with Laodicea. Uh, a lot more than two, but two. You heard Paul talk about Eradipus and Philemon. Uh, Go back to Colossians real quick, the book of Colossians. And Colossians is a book that has a lot of stuff in it that can help us in our kind of a day. And I'll tell you why it does, why we need to be interested in Colossians. Look in Colossians... uh, 4 and verse 13. He said, For I bear them record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are at Laodicea. There's the word Laodicea. uh, Looking on down again in that same uh, verse 15, he says, Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphos and the church which is in thy house. So, his house. Laodicea. That word's mentioned twice in that book. So that book, Colossians, has a lot to do with the end of the church age or the Laodicean church age. And and when you read the book of Colossians, uh, they were having a lot of problems with uh, uh, false doctrine. You can go back to chapter 2 again in verse 1. For I would that you knew... What great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. Okay, now go down to verse 8 and look what the problem was as heaven. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. That's what we got going on today. A lot of of philosophy. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. A lot of philosophy. uh, A lot of people. uh, Now you're supposed to love everybody now. (laughs) She said, I don't like her. (laughs) Really, Brother Tuggle told me the Bible said that the Bible doesn't say you're supposed to love everybody. It says the Bible says you're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to love the brethren. I don't know. You think about it. But in Laodicea, they had a problem with a lot of philosophies, and and the Bible said, Paul said in Second Timothy four, he said in the last days, they'll be turned to fables, made up stuff, right? Uh, look back over there in in chapter four, and uh, look down verse seventeen. Eradipus, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fabric for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and in Hypoleus. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Demas, what happened to Demas? He loved the present world and he forsook Paul. Why does this book have anything to do with us? Because in the last days, the Bible said, many, there'll be a great turning away, a great falling away. Great falling away. All right, look look a little bit farther there in verse 15. In Laodicea and Nymphos and the church, where's it at? In his house, that's what I said a minute ago during the tribulation time, and maybe, maybe possible during the church age, we won't be meeting in buildings like this. We'll have to go over at Martin K's and meet, or Atlanta's and meet, or somewhere else. That that could happen. Leonard Ravenhill said the church started out in the house, and he said it'll end back up in one. And a possibility that may be true of Jesus Terry's but those two people are connected with Laodicea. Laodicea was the seventh letter. Meaning what? The light. Somebody said it. Completion. We've come all the way down through seven churches. This is the last one. This completes the church age. Look what happens in chapter four, uh, 4 and verse 1. What does it say? After this, what? After what? After the church age. After this. Go ahead, brother. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you take that cross reverse it with First Thessalonians four, verse thirteen through eighteen. You got the rapture right there. Uh, that's what you got. Uh, so, uh, so this is going to complete the church age. Amen. Everything's going right along like it's supposed to. Uh, the Lord Jesus. Look back in chapter one. The Lord Jesus, He started out, and uh, let's see, verse seven or verse twenty of chapter one. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven star stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest, they are the seven churches. And in uh, verse uh, 1, chapter 2, And the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things, saith he that holdeth seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst. The Lord's right in the middle of the church. Right then, the Lord is the, he's the main object. He's right in the middle of the church. Used to I a, a priest in one or two. Mark probably has old Methodist churches. They'd have the pulpit over here. Wouldn't be in the center be over here reason they did that is because they they'd say they wanted to focus to be on Jesus, not on the preacher. There's still some around like that. But, all right, now we go through one church, two church, three church, four churches, five churches, six churches, seven churches. Look at verse 20. Where's he at now? He's outside church. He started out right in the midst in the middle of it, and when the thing ends up, he's on the outside trying to get somebody to let him in. And that's when he when he winds it up, amen. And it calls the church up to be with him. Well, I went through that real fast, but I was wanting you to get something, and I hope you got something out of that. Okay, uh, been praying about this uh, since last uh, week ago. Last.